Hello and welcome to the Undercover Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Seema Wiz Daily, and we are back this time for a preview episode of the American Grand Prix. American as in Austin, because I've just remembered we've had two Grand Prix in America so far this year, with this being the second one, and it's going to get even more confusing next year. But enough of that for now, because I am joined, as always, by my two excellent co-hosts, Ellie Mae Taylor and Jesse Billington. How are you both? I, you could have been better. I had sort of fluish symptoms through today. I think this might have just been a case of I knocked my immune system for six yesterday doing a 10k cross country that was a lot harder than anticipated. So I've spent most of today wondering why my teeth hurt and my nose won't stop running. Ellie May will probably say that's what you get from running. Yeah, I hate running. And I guess my weekend been a pretty poor weekend just looking after a sick cat. But if you are getting flu, I'd recommend a humidifier because that's been doing wonders for the now the fourth cat that's got a cold. Humidifier? Ooh. A humidifier, yeah. Perhaps give that a shot. Anyway, that's... Talking of giving things a shot, we'll go straight into the news with what the hell has happened and who's getting a shot this weekend, Jesse? Well, I think everyone is. I'll leave. We'll talk about some of them in turn, but Pietro Fittipaldi will drive for Haas as their rookie for the mandated FP1 sessions in Mexico and Abu Dhabi, respectively. So he's not coming out in America, but uh, session afterwards in Abu Dhabi in Mexico and two races later in Abu Dhabi, we'll see him on circuit once again. And of course, we saw Pietro race twice, uh, filling in for Roman Grosjean uh, in 2020. And where after Grosjean's mega crash, um, Ketra didn't do too badly. It was a bit of a pig of a car, in all fairness, but he did he did all right, given things. So it'll be interesting to see how he does with a slightly better chassis and a very differently active chassis. I think as well will be the key thing. Someone who is making the debut this weekend is Teo Porcher, who finally be making his debut for Alfa Romeo, sitting in for Valtteri Bottas for FP1. Not obviously on the grid full time next year in 2023 for Alfa Romeo, but probably as close as he's going to get for a while. He's been confirmed as well as one of the reserve drivers, I believe, for next year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in that car, especially considering his performance in F2. It's been, it's not been bad this year, by any stretch of imagination, but it's worse, quote unquote, than it was the previous year. And he's going to be wanting to to really impress if to if he wants to make Alfa Romeo realise that they made a mistake in signing Joe, which is going to be pretty hard to do, let's face it. But I'll be very intrigued to see what he can do there. I think his season has, yeah, worse in air quotes. It has been worse through any fault of his own, I think is a key element to remember here. A lot of his faults have come from... too soon. Yeah, he should have... Ideally, he should, would have moved on from F2 last year, but then the, it got weirdly competitive this year. There were some team issues. It just wasn't a good season for him through a lot of reasons that weren't his own. But it'll be interesting to see what he can do in an F1 car and sort of what times he can post compared to the likes of Joe or Bottas in later sessions. So we'll have to wait and see on that front. And interestingly, it's just been confirmed for the one session because of Guanyu Joe technically filling out that role way back in Bahrain. So it's one, it's all or nothing really for Porsche. Yeah, he's only got this one shot to prove his F2 might and it'll be interesting to see how he does. Again, there might be a few IndyCar lights or IndyCar sort of talent scouts stood at the sidelines watching, which again, it's it's going to prove a worthwhile session for him to either show what he can do in F1 or potentially what he can do with regards to American motorsports. So we'll have to see how that one pans out for him. All the best for it. All the best to him for it. And talking of American motorsport drivers, Ellie May, who are two other people that are making their debut? Or at least one of them is making the debut this weekend. 
Also, could you read this out like one of the IndyCar announcers? Because I've never heard their names pronounced English. I've only ever heard them pronounced in an American way. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'll just do it the way that I'm going to do it. I intended her to do it. <laughs> yes. Mainly like because I haven't heard the IndyCar people say it. So, yes, the two people that will also be getting their first taste of Formula One of a Formula One weekend are Alex Paolo and Pato Award. Is that how you say their names? It's close Hello. enough. Yeah, you're going to, we're looking at uh, this weekend, we've got Alex Below and Pato Award coming out in the FP1 sessions for uh, McLaren. There you go. Yes, they're both going to be driving for McLaren in a pre-practice one. They've both previously driven last year's car in private testing. But now, yes, so now 2021 World IndyCar Champion Paolo will take Ricardo's seat in pre-practice one at this weekend's car. (laughs) At this weekend's US Grand Prix. And award will take Lando Norris's seat in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And you'd think they're missing a shot there by not putting a award in at the Mexican Grand Prix, considering he is Mexican. But what the heck do I know? Yeah, potentially McLaren think they might have a good shot at something in Mexico and want to give their drivers as much seat time for that one. Potentially they know it's a circuit they might run well at. They ran well there last year. And you we know see, Danny you Rick- seem to forget they, they want to screw over Ricardo whenever they can, though. I, this is ultimately true, yeah, but there's every hope again. Which is why see. he's not, uh, Ricardo's not driving in FP1 at Austin, one of his favorite places. Yeah, but he'll have the energy of Texas around him for that one. So you won't need it as much. Mexico, he needs a little more, maybe there. So, but again, again, we're here now. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, they aren't the only drivers that are driving in FP1 sessions this weekend. There's one more on the list. Well, I think there's a few more on the list, but one we've got on our news list is... Logan Sargent, who will be stepping in for Alex Albon, I believe, in the Williams in FP1. American driver, American track, not an American team, but two out of three ain't bad. Uh, currently competing for... P2 in the championship in Formula 2 and potentially going to be in that Williams seat next year alongside Alex Albon. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do there. And obviously no word yet on if he will join Alex Albon because we need to wait until after the final round of the championship in Abu Dhabi to find out if he's got a high enough place finished to get the super license points that he will need to do that. And that's going to be something we can discuss maybe not even in the Abu Dhabi review, depending on what happens there. So we will find out in due course. But again, will be very interesting to see what happens there because we'll have three drivers this weekend or even not on the weekend it will be on Friday Friday will be quite an interesting day to see how they match up not only against each other but against their teammates for that session the drivers that they'll be standing in for and against everyone else so you've got McLaren Williams and Alfa Romeo there and a track that is inspired by Suzuka it's quite fast it's got bits of Silverstone in it and it's a proper track track as well, which you see the like of NASCAR, IndyCar and MotoGP go around there. So it's a, it's a track to test people out. Yes, Jesse. Don't forget Robert Schwartzman, who's also driving for Ferrari. Oh, Christ, yes. Who's he driving? Pass. Yes. No, he's, he's with Ferrari. Ferrari. My God. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so okay. what's that? Nearly half the field has got an FP1 seat that isn't their own or an FP1 sort of junior seat on the go. Nearly well, half of half, but yeah. I well, how many is that? Let's see. Oh, no. That's five. Yeah, so half. Essentially, the teams have just what's half of 20, they have Jesse? to have a rookie test. But I said teams. There's only 10 teams, Timo. It's oh, not 1993. Okay. Yeah. Just ignoring you as usual. What were you saying anyway? <laughs> Essentially, the teams have just kind of forgotten that they actually have to have a rookie test, and they're just going to do it in America. A bit of Sakir and Bahrain twenty twenty, where it's just kind of we've got all these new kind of it's all this kind of chaos going in here now, and we've got a couple extra people. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Hang on, isn't Giovinazzi also for Haas as well this weekend? Yeah. Quite possibly. Hang on, let me just check this. Yeah, has to run Giovinazzi in two FP1 sessions in 2022. He was there for the Italian Grand Prix and he'll be there for Austin as well. So that's... Crikey. Yeah. There you go. Essentially, it's just a new grid. Hang on. So if, why is Pietro Fittipaldi running two sessions if they've already got Giovinazzi doing a session? Unless Giovinazzi is surplus to requirement for testing reasons. He's doesn't fit the requirements, I guess. Oh yeah, he's true. Yeah, he's no a rookie. rookie. I forgot that. You know those two and a bit, three seasons that he spent in F one before, where you swooned over him like a schoolgirl. Yeah, that's true. There so perhaps go. he's just doing it for engine reasons then. But anyway, essentially, we have no idea what we're doing on this podcast. We, that is pretty much what we say to you every week. <laughs> we try and hide it really well. The other little bit of news that we have, though, is that Pedro de la Rosa, of all people, has joined Aston Martin as a driver ambassador, which means as bad as much as you want to take your stick at, because I'm not really sure what that entails. He says it's a very vague term, and they have a few of them. And it does seem like they're assembling some kind of B or C list Marvel team at Aston Martin, the purpose for which we're not entirely sure of. And it's a name that we haven't heard really mentioned in a while. And I guess we'll see him at a few more races. Yeah, I guess. I mean, technically, Jess Hawkins, also a driver ambassador for Aston Martin, but she doesn't do a lot of actual driving for them. She appears in YouTube videos and does their mm. promotional bits, but no actual F1 stuff. So I don't think we're going to see... some nice Aston Martin merch, and that's about it. Yeah, she, she sells Aston Martin merch, but beyond that, it seems limited. Um, and any yeah, mate so- doesn't care for that unless it's a bubble hat or a bucket hat. So, to be fair, she, they do she, do good bucket hats. Absolutely, uh, the Aston Martin bobble hat. Jess Hawkins knows how to wrap a bobble hat. And to be fair, that's why I mentioned them. <laughs> do you have that to hand just in case we need props at any point? For the, for the audio, she's got one um, in every room of the house. <laughs> Ellie May has just put on her circuit Paul Ricard bucket hat over her headphones. So it's sort of sitting quite proud of her head, like a badly rendered wee emoji. For, or person from essentially looks like um, when Sebastian Vettel does his like mushroom impression by putting his the yeah, helmet, he balances on, top his helmet on top of his head yeah. yeah yeah on to slightly more serious things um, there's still no answer read the cost cap infringements although Zach Brown has accused Red Bull of cheating not directly but the, he, he wrote a big open letter to all the other teams that haven't been caught with their pants down around the cost cap thing, um, saying that those exceeding the cost cap are essentially cheating. And 
the interesting thing is Williams were fined $25,000 early this year for a procedural breach, which is roughly what we've seen with Aston Martin. So we're assuming something similar is going to come out of the works there. However, Zach Brown's well, letter... If it was a higher fine just because it's Aston Martin, they have more money. <laughs> you guys have money to burn. Let's just take more of it. Um, but Zach Brown's letter does go on to state that 2020 acted as a dress rehearsal for the cost caps. It gave everyone a chance to sort of tune up and figure out how they were going to sort of meet the cost caps. So no one really had an excuse for this coming as a surprise. And it also gave people a chance to seek clarification and sort things out, sort of post it so they knew what to do so, and his letter also suggests that Red Bull's cost cap for 2023 should be reduced by their overspend and a penalty handed down on top of that as well as reduced time for CFD and wind tunnel time he's also called for the 5% window to be lowered to 2.5 you'd also like a lot of transparency over the matter basically Zach Brown wants a lot of things around this because it's I, I don't know I guess he's come in way under budget despite hiring a bazillion drivers he's still got money to spend so You'd be I do agree with him on the transparency thing because we don't want to repeat a Ferrari 2019 where there was just this deal done behind closed doors and we're still not really sure about if anything happened consequence-wise there for them. And as these are new regulations, new era, et cetera, et cetera, if you want the fans to get behind them and for it to be as interactive a sport slash entertainment thing as, as, they, as they say, then... You can't really hide that then, especially when you've got Netflix hunting around every corner. You you wouldn't if you're the FIA in Formula One, you don't want someone at Netflix finding out before uh, not necessarily even before you release it, but instead of you releasing it, they find out and they can break it on Drive to Survive because then you look really in the shit and you've just fueled it even more than it needs to be. And like Ellie May was saying neither last week or the week before. The media on this have been blown so much out of proportion, potentially in comparison to what the consequences for it will be, that surely you'd just be transparent about it now and nip it in the bud. And I feel like if they'd done that from the start, Zach Brown wouldn't necessarily even had to write this letter. Well, I think it's ironic that he wants transparency because, yes, on the one hand, I do agree. <laughs> you with still don't like him for Ricardo, do you? <laughs> but I also think. Teams want transparency until they're the team in question. Oh, yeah, this is certainly a thing. If you think about playing any board game with your family at Christmas, you want everyone to follow the rules until you can break the rules for your own personal benefit. Like, oh, no one's allowed they to rob the bank loopholes, during Monopoly. Jesse. Loopholes. <laughs> no one's allowed to rob the bank during Monopoly unless I rob the bank during Monopoly, in which case it's fine. Or, no, if I put it over two of these squares in Scrabble, I get triple the points. Are you sure that's a rule? It's a rule for me. And you can see how it spirals from there. I thought that was perfectly reasonable to end that on. We'll move on to something slightly more serious than me. I, I was just waiting for animation your transition there, but she didn't. So. No, I was just going to, I didn't, to be fair, I didn't think there's anything good as a link between Scrabble and W series. I think W is worth four in Scrabble. I was going to say turning about twists in the back there. We were meant to have W series, but Jessica's yeah. using Scrabble. Jess, w series. Scrabbling for money. Yeah, there we go. We'll go with that one. Scrabbling for money, on the other hand, is, uh, well, not LMA personally, but LMA with the news <laughs> on W Series. Um, yes, this is the first of uh, three races that um, W Series should have been attending, and it's been obviously cut early because of because of money issues. And it's, I think it's a real shame because I, I guess America would have been a great place I mean, I know they did Miami, but it would have been great then to come back for W Series to drive there again because America have so many car series themselves that if 
W Series can shed a light on all these amazing women drivers, then someone like IndyCar or something will, can look at them and they have more of a chance. And now that's kind of been taken away from them because we're no longer doing the US, Mexico and Brazil. That was Mexico and Mexico. It was just Mexico twice, but yes. Oh, was it just Mexico and Mexico? Okay. I knew there was three. I thought they did different. No, they're rounding no, out like they did with um, this at the start of the season with a double they header. They did two. Did they do two? Two in Miami mm. and then Miami, they're closing yeah. the two in Mexico. With there's the double M again in that same neck of the woods, but. Well, they were going to go to Mexico this year because they didn't get the chance last year, so they wanted to do a double header to make up for that. And now that means that if we get W Series next year, we'll have to do a triple header in Mexico just to make up for all the time lost. Which I'm not against, to be honest. Do it one way, then do it in reverse, and then do an, do the Formula E configuration. So it's perfectly doable. We'll do it um, with a reverse grid from the result of the previous one or a race or something. Do all of it, you know. Yeah. Do it spicy. It's Mexico. It's all good. Yeah. Um, one final bit of. News-ish is that uh, future of Kota and F1 is I was listening to our friends over at Lakeside Drive down under earlier in their preview podcast, which went on more tangents than we've gone on so far over the entire duration, which was quite something I must say. But I couldn't find the, the story itself, but I find the idea that one of them brought up quite interesting that the, I think it's Bobby Epstein is the guy who's in charge of Kota. Um, I don't think there's a relation. You can check that. Um, and he was saying how he would love, apparently, for F1, IndyCar, and MotoGP to all take place at Kota over one weekend for some kind of mega event at some point in the future. And considering that the only real support series we've had with F1 at Kota is W Series, and obviously that's not happening this year, maybe won't happen at Austin next year, regardless of which way that goes. I could just be interesting. And in terms of an Americanization of the sport and entertainment, you've got three very different motorsport disciplines, but all very good in their own regard. And I just want to put that out there and see what you two thought about it. I think it would be a bit too busy and it would, you then don't end up not celebrating each series in their own right. And I'm you could argue that for F2 and F3, though, surely, when they support F1. I'm not saying IndyCar and most people would support it, but they've we've had plenty of busy weekends on an, over an F1 weekend. Yeah, but I'm actually basing this on my own experience of when <laughs> over a weekend I had, I went and watched Mamma Mia. Uh, I knew it'd be relevant to F1. <laughs> yep. On the Friday, I then went to. Goodwood Festival of Speed on the Saturday and I went to see Elton John on the Sunday. And whilst I look back and love them all, I think because they were all so clumped together, I don't love them as much as I could because I they didn't have enough breathing space on their own because it's there's so much going on and it's so busy that I think you need to have them separately. I see what you're trying to say, but I feel like you just have a musical problem rather than a motorsport problem there. And I feel like that's a different issue. I'm surprised they didn't have a headache. We're getting one. (laughs) I would like to see IndyCar and um, 
F1 racing at the same weekend because I think that would be really interesting to put them through the same condition, same circuit, see the parallels. Only IndyCar is roughly 14 to 16 seconds slower than F1 and it's slightly slower than F2. So that would be the only reason why I could see IndyCar not being in favour of that. But at the same time, the potential for some kind of one-off event. I mean, I wrote an article a little while back about should F1 bring back non-championship races, maybe this would be a fun way to have them all across a weekend where it doesn't impact anything. It's just a bit of, it's like a friendly football match. Um, but again, there's nothing confirmed at all of this. It's just hearsay, but it's just an interesting idea that would potentially be worth exploring at some point, especially if we don't know how long the F1 crazy is going to last in America. We hope for a little while at least, just because it would be good for, for teams to come in and all this kind of thing and drivers. But maybe this would be something for five years down the road. It would be, I think it'd definitely be something worth putting together. I mean, loads of series race around Kota. Like you've got um, around the actual full circuit, F1, LMP1s, Indy cars, Formula V8s, LMP2s, Indy lights, DPI, DP, LMPCs. You've got lists NASCAR. and lists of series going around. There. Yeah, even NASCAR go around. They're not very fast at all. But you've got things like the Trans Am series as well, MotoGP, Moto2s, Moto Americas, the Ferrari Challenge races there. You've got... F4, actually, USF4. Yeah, USF4. Recently, I think as well. Did that recently. That's, that's what we like. we like about Austin because it's a purpose-built track made for racing. So it brings with it fun and entertainment. Yeah, I think it's, it was designed to be an entertaining circuit. And despite being a Tilkadrome, it has proven to be one. It's not one of Herman Herm Tilka's sort of usual bore fests. Although one thing I will quickly throw in on a completely stupid tangent is a chap called, like uh, from the North America Talent Cup, which is for motorcycle racing on an Apria RS250 SP2 in 2022. A chap called Jesse Shedden set the lap record for that series around the track. So that's, that's pretty cool. Just chucking that out there. All I'm going to say is that whilst you're smiling and saying that, I don't know what you're doing with your arm, but it looks like you're jerking off on camera. I'm not. I'm just scratching the top of my foot. That's all. <laughs> You looked, you looked, you found a stat about someone called Jesse and you thought, oh, I know exactly what to do with this. <laughs> the top of my foot. I can't believe you said jerking off live on the podcast. I'm going to try and edit around that now. Yeah. Fun I'll just that. leave it in and just put beeps in. So it, that's not even going to hide it. I don't know. But that does lead us neatly, not into the last time out just yet, but an interesting stat of the week that I found when just doing a little bit of How does that lead neatly into it? How does, how does me scratching my foot lead neatly into this? Because it's unnecessary, and so is this fact. Okay, I'll allow it. Currently in 10th place in the Drivers' Championship, Bottas has now failed to score any points in the last eight Grand Prix with Alfa Romeo, which seems quite ridiculous when you think about it, but is somehow true. And he's now under threat from the likes of Vettel, who is having a bit of a good uh, second half of his final season so far. And it'd be very interesting to see him come back and just claw that 10th place away from, from Bottas, which... In itself, it's still a disappointing way for a four-time champion to win his career, but at the same time, I wouldn't be against it. I mean, looking at the big spreadsheet I keep of all the drivers and their points over the season, I sort of traced and extended Seb's line to look at if he continued this trajectory against the rest of the grid, he would end up about fifth place by the end of the season. So it's not all doom and gloom in that regard. It just proves my point from like way back but I said that Aston Martin are doing a lot better the second 
Aston Martin or Sebastian Vettel? No, I'm going to go Aston Martin. But Lance Stroll is just unable to extract those developments from the car. He has been getting points. Not as many. Not as many as Vettel. Vettel's got more by himself than three other teams on the grid combined since the summer break. That's why he's a four-time world champion. But No, I was hoping you were going to try and defend Stroll there and I noticed you just <laughs> didn't. You did a Liz Truss and just didn't answer the question there. I, I'm, I'm going to do even more of a Liz Truss and go on to a completely separate note. And and cheese for us. She's opening new pork markets in China. Um, it's all right, you've got BBC Radio York after this. But... Uh, Kota was the first circuit to have a sub two second pit stop in like it's not like the official one because they were doing this before the fastest pit stops were sort of made officials it's like the unofficial official the DHL pit stop award yeah and it was with Red Bull and Mark Webber in 2013 1.92 seconds was that for like a stunt demonstration thing or actually during a race during the race Webber was still racing in 2013. Yeah, it was his final season, you know. Too. Yeah. It just seems really late for him to still be racing, that's all. Because it was his final season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's obviously a good reason for it. Yeah. Anyway, um, are we ready We're to not going to put this man in charge of a history lesson. <laughs> we are. Uh, but the good thing is he did his he did his revision for this history lesson. Uh, it's time for last time out at the US Grand Prix. Of course, the question is, when did we last go there? 2021, we were there last year, although we missed out going there in 2020 due to coronavirus. Um, the question is, how did it pan out in 2021? Well, all things considered, it was pretty decent. Uh, the title battle was still raging, so there was a lot still to play for. Max was, at this point, just six points ahead of Lewis. Bottas was in third by a long way, and Norris, of all people, was in a pretty close fourth. Um, not a bad season for Little Dozer, to be fair. Uh, qualifying played out largely as expected, with Max and Lewis shock, uh, locking out the front row. Lewis got away well, the ailing Red Bull gearbox already showing signs of a hard season, and it would be something that would go on to bite Max Verstappen in his ass the rest of the season as well. That Red Bull was not getting off the line happily. A uh, decent race between Sainz and the McLaren set off from early on with uh, Sainz having to battle both former teammate Lando Norris and his replacement, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Both of them up in sort of around P5, P6 area, which says a lot about how well the McLarens were doing early on in that race. Uh, pretty much going into turn one, Latifi, however, did get sandwiched by the Haas and ended up tagging Lance Stroll so the two Canadians came together there Max later would go on to pull the undercut on the Mercedes and snatch a lead from it while Giovinazzi had a very good battle with Alonso for I think it was 10th place or something the two of them pushing each other wide lap after lap after lap it was pretty good racing to be fair uh, a slow yield to, from Mick gives Max the advantage though coming through the final or the penultimate lap meaning he can DRS past Mick Schumacher down the pit straight and get clear of Lewis Hamilton behind, meaning that Max could go on and take the win. But it was, by all accounts, a pretty close race that culminated with a weird bulk half the Red Bull pit crew to sit on and Shaquille O'Neal reminding us of just how tall he is. On before that, there was all the grid walk gate, which I remember writing a piece on for Drive Tribe, uh, the good old days of Drive Tribe. Um, Did um, Martin Brandel ever take up Megan the Stallion's offer of singing with her at Rastonbury. I, I don't He's going to do it with Yuki at some point. <laughs> it's all going to be all three of them. Oh, could you imagine? Pierre Gasly. Eddie Jordan on drums. Oh, they've got to have Pierre Gasly in there as well. Those two harmonised so beautifully in that video from Alpha Tauri. 
so the question is, how does that look if we turn it all into numbers and chuck some data at a wall? Uh, well, if we add some numbers into all this, the last year was the 50th running of the United States Grand Prix spread over some 10 different locations. Though, uh, for the sake of accuracy, we'll just focus on the Cota years, as they're the ones that are getting relevant to trying to make any sensible predictions. So 2012 onwards, ignoring 2020 when COVID said no, uh, McLaren won in 2012 with Lewis. Seb and Red Bull took the title in 2013. Lewis won for four years on the trot from 2014 through 17. Kimi famously won in 2018 with his I Know What I'm Doing line. Uh, he won that for Ferrari. It was their first win in God knows how long. Uh, Bottas... 67 in, years. 67 years, it was. It was also Kimi's first win since the Lotus and final win. Final, uh, yeah, final win as well. Bottas took the win for Mercedes in 2019 and last year Max won. So Ferrari have one win as do a very different era of McLaren although back to Mercedes engines uh, as they had done when they last won here. Red Bull have two wins and Mercedes have five. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I am in my script because I'm so dosed up on painkillers and flu medication. Battle forecast. Correction, yes. Battle forecast. I'll cut that bit. Um <laughs> Uh, So with all that in mind, how does that look as a battle forecast? Lewis is hugely dominant around here, but the car isn't with him as much this year as it has been previously, and in the high-speed nature of the circuit, and this doesn't look set to be a Mercedes-happy track. However, ignoring the elevation, a lot of Cota apes Silverstone in nature, especially that first um, sector, which is a lot like Maggots and Beckett's. And Lewis had a decent time of things early this year at Silverstone albeit in very different conditions. Red Bull will be at home here with the long straights to satiate their need for speed with their oodles of power, however. Ferrari, though, might not have a tyre struggle, as this is often a two-stop race, removing their poor tyre deg from the equation. Ellie, may you have a point? Yes, I've been thinking about tyre strategy and how they're going to do it, because last year it was a two-stop with the... Most drivers started on the medium, then went hard and then hard again with and that was the most desirable because Perez went medium medium hard because he didn't have an extra set of hard tires available to him but he ended up being 40 seconds behind Verstappen and Hamilton so it kind of seems like hards would be the way to go but if you look at the hard tires this year they haven't been particularly favourable. So I looked at 2019 and there was a huge tyre variety. So the winner, Bottas, went medium, hard, medium. Hamilton in second just had the one stop with medium, hard. Verstappen did the same as Bottas in third. Leclerc in fourth went medium, hard, soft. Albin in fifth was forced to stop on lap one. So then he went soft, medium, medium, soft. And Danny Rick in six went soft and hard. So I think actually you could play around with the tyre strategy somewhat and it could be quite interesting. I definitely think teams are going to be averse to the hard compound. We're running C2, C3, C4s this weekend, I believe. And this the harder compounds the, uh, the Pirelli have got this year are not very good tyres. Even if it's a hot day and the circuit's hot, there is very little grip coming out of those tyres. So I can see teams being potentially averse from them or running a very high downforce setup to try and get the heat into those tyres so they can then get them to last a bit longer. It really could be a question of drive. If a team can turn on the hards, they might be able to make this a one-stopper. If not, expect some interesting strategy, as Anime has suggested there. Timo, did you have a point to throw in on that one? 
I did, and I have immediately forgotten what it was. So I'll just let the tire degradation conversation take over. That's okay then. Um, so that's our tire drag. However, when it comes to drivers, it's still all to play for, ignoring Max Verstappen. Um, I can probably see some Sergio favoring strats come through if he's in the right place to utilize them. Red will be looking to press home their advantage in the teams as best as possible. They've already got Max the championship. So the question is can they really seal the deal with a very dominant teams drive by giving Sergio Perez some wins? Why not? It's not going to cost them anything. Um, so all in, I think it's beyond reason to say that any of the top three, however, could have someone on the grid this week, on the podium this weekend. They'll all have someone on the grid this weekend, that's for certain, hopefully. Otherwise, it'd be very chaotic if only the teams don't put anyone forwards. But again, that's the flu talking. We'll move on to the weather forecast. And the weather forecast this weekend is set to be warm and dry, 29 to 31 degrees Celsius across the weekend, with a very, very low chance of rain. So now I've predicted the weather, let's have some race predictions. Pole position, I have decided that, uh, much like you were saying, there's nothing to lose if Red Bull decide to let Perez out of the box a bit and win a bit more. We've got nothing to lose at this point. Everything's wrapped up and I've accepted my fate in our prediction standings and anything else that good happens here, I will just take gladly. With that in mind, I feel like this sounds very mean for me to predict Carlos signs and pole as if that's a completely unlikely thing to happen. But... I think he did well last year during the race, relatively, and he likes it around here. And why not? It'd be nice to have a Ferrari pole that isn't Charles, just for the sake of variety, if nothing else. And it would be just good for him to show that whilst it doesn't technically matter at this point in the season, because the Drivers' Championship's all wrapped up, it would be good for him to just show that there is not that clear number one driver at Ferrari, perhaps. I say the, the driver championship isn't wrapped up. We know who's won it. We don't know who's come second, third, fourth, or fifth yet. That's all still very much up, up for contention. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But I mean, down a similar vein, I reckon that Red Bull are going to throw a lot of things Sergio Perez's way. And if he can get pole, I, which is my prediction, I don't see them sort of not favouring him through the race. They could, there could be a little cheeky Max Verstappen toe just to see if they can get him onto pole. And again, he'll there's a big Red Bull following in America and I reckon there'll be a lot of people that are happy to see Sergio Perez on that podium the pole position especially I'll sacrifice that for pure dominance in Mexico from Perez though oh just you wait till I get to my Mexico predictions now is it all just Perez <laughs> yeah he's going to completely cover the podium prediction. Perez yeah. it's just Perez one two three and that's it it would have to be very carefully planned wouldn't it for um to get a toe around the Americas because whilst it's big long straights that like the toes you've then got the real sort of squiggly tight parts I where think you if you can nail the want... last sector just before the start finish straight you should be fine unless they do something where was it in and by they uh... you mean Ferrari right <laughs> well, I was going to say was it in um, Spa when um it might not have been Spa. Well, what's your example? First, I would tell you. <laughs> when uh, during qualifying, they had one driver would give that team member a huge toe up the straight. I think it was and then get out and then get out the way for them to then carry on. More straight, I think, wasn't it? They just yeah. followed them up, a roost through there, and then pull aside to let them just go for it. 
it was definitely Ferrari attempted that this year, but I remember they absolutely balls it up as a strategy as well. I remember they got it catastrophically wrong by releasing Charles Leclerc at the wrong time. He was too close to science. Yes, but... Anyway, that doesn't answer who your pole, predi- pole position prediction is, Ellie May. It's uh, Leclerc. Just because he's, he is very good at poles. And I think maybe now that... The stress is obviously definitely, definitely off of him now to win the championship. So he may just, you know, try and have some fun and it may make him just more relaxed and even quicker. It's not, it's not a silly prediction. Uh, definitely not a silly prediction. We were supposed to be joined by one of our American friends, Megan Mara, who joined us way back at the Spain. beginning of the season. I was, was going to say Spain, if you had let me, honestly. Some people. Anyway, yes. Uh, she's unfortunately ill. We wish her well, and she's probably listening to this. So, hi, Megan. And her pole position prediction is very safe in that it is Max Verstappen. There wasn't a reasoning, but I don't think there really needs to be one. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, he's been pretty dominant at this point and there's nothing to say he's not going to keep trying and just basically look to wipe the floor with everyone by the end of this season, which is quite a real possibility. So It's yeah. also why I've predicted him for first place on the podium on my podium predictions list. So I'm well, going to say... Led into it so neatly, go on then, what's the rest of I, I, I thought I had done a quite nice job there, if I do say so myself. So Verstappen, then signs in second, who will fight valiantly, but will not have what it takes, unfortunately, to convert that pole. And then Lewis Hamilton, because you say Mercedes, not that one, but at the same time, I predict a little bit of spice because it's Austin and it's always a, I can't remember really how they're being a dull race. There's always a little bit of something at Austin. So yeah. why not have Hamilton a third and Mercedes resurgence to, to come back at Ferrari, at least challenge them for that second spot in the constructors. That's yeah, interesting, cool. Yeah, I've similarly gone for a uh, Max Verstappen win because I think that why not break another record and try and get the most wins of a season? He only needs, what, two more to match? Better one more to equal. Matches? One more oh, to one equal. More. So then, then two. To get but the he's record. not allowed to win Mexico because otherwise he will need it to be dead, the dead in order to get resurrected because the Mexicans won't stand for it. I mean, yeah. he's not he's too far off at this point as well to have the best win percentage in a season I think it's Fangio or Farina that still holds that from the days yeah. when there was like three races in a season all you have to do is win two or the more them. reason to have less races because <laughs> it means there's more weighting on each of them but yeah or make more of them so Max can sort of spread his wins out over more interesting locations I don't you know shut your damn mouth yeah. Jesse <laughs> <laughs> but as well I've gone for a Max Verstappen win because I think due to the dual personality of this track with the combination of the high speed and then the real technical sections, I think round one lap, Ferrari would be very good. But in a race, I think Red Bull will probably have it. <laughs> Is that not the story of their entire season? <laughs> you can copy paste that line from Ellie May to any one of our race previews and you'd be, oh, the girl is talking sense. You're like, yeah. Well, unless Ferrari wants to go different in their strategy, they always go for a higher downforce to be different good in the real technical Different for them bad section. and wrong though. <laughs> Which they do, they do need to change it up, but do I think they're going to? No, that's why I've predicted the Max Verstappen win, and then I've gone for Sergio Perez in second, uh, so that they can carry on getting Sergio Perez that second spot in the drivers' championship, and they can get 
more points in the constructors and then a Charles Leclerc third. I will make a slight amendment to your thing there where you're saying about that and say that I've completely forgotten my bloody point. I was maybe getting things wrong this week at this recording. Not wrong, forgotten. Um, Both not doing very well, I think, is the, the, the baseline of this. That was such a good point as well. Well, Timo remembers what he was about to say. I might as well give my podium prediction, which is Sergio Perez win, Carlos Sainz second, George Russell third. I don't think there's too much explaining to that one. It's sort of a variation, really, on Timo's of Red Bull wins, Sainz second, and Mercedes third. I still I'm can't remember. Sainz in the podium. It's, it's, a solid, it's a solid bet of Sainz podium. You like it, but you didn't predict it. I didn't predict it so that, that it would happen. Uh, uh, the, re- the reverse complicated curse. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yes, because I was thinking it's got some sections that are quite similar to Silverstone. He was very good at Silverstone, so you've gone. I forward. remembered what I was going to say. Oh, go on quickly before you forget. Go on quick. quick. The amendment fairly makes things like Ferrari. Yes, they will try a different strategy. Actually, it just won't be the right one. You think you said they won't go differently, but they will. It just won't work. Yeah, they'll go in the wrong direction with their strategy changes. That's for certain. We're going to try a no-stop race. Are we on a high deck circuit? Yes. And you have to pit. It's mandatory. <laughs> yeah. So they'll 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 technically you pit when you come in for Park Fermi. Yeah. So as you come down the pit lane to park up in Park Fermi, you pit stop and then head set off because they're... don't they pit. Don't you go into Park Fermi before you get to the pits, though? Not, not a Cota. You go with the pit line. Uh, and well. especially in Cota, you come in and it's lined up. It'll be Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, I think, because they run off last year's championship order is the order they lay them out down the pit lane. So all Ferrari has to do is come in, pit, and then head down to Park Fermi and park up, and they might be okay with that. It's cutting it a bit. It's fun. another brilliant Ellie May strategy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it plays out for him. Yeah, Speaking early of early May strategy, bold isn't needed. <laughs> this is very true. Um, before we move on from the podiums, we need to hear Megan Maurer's podium. She has gone for Max Verstappen win. She has put Carlos Sainz on the podium, early May, in second place, and put Charles Leclerc in third. Oh. Which I can only attribute to she's ill, delusional, and hoping for the best. Not used to British strength Lemsip. It's it's knocked up for a six with that one apparently. But yes, that is what we're going for there. Fastest lap. Can't even defend herself. Was we being kind? We're giving her. We're being nice. We're giving her excuses when this doesn't happen. No. She was also a long-standing friend of the podcast in much the same way that we did happily insult Jacob Phillips to his face. I think we could at least (laughs) get away with a similar vein with Megan of some light-hearted. Well, we mentioned Jacob. Happy birthday. Is his birthday? Oh, it is yeah. well, isn't it? Happy yeah. birthday. And oh. guess where he is? Is he in the pub? And the pub. He is indeed. Oh, good lad. And probably will be when he listens to this. So there we go. He'll be listening, uh, to, this stag- he'll be listening to this staggering home from the pub at some point. He'll have a sort of kebab in one hand, his headphones in, listening to us, wishing him a happy birthday. And he'll be all drunk and confused. It'll be, it'll be good. No, Eddie May, would you like so- to do a Marilyn Monroe and sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, to him? Mm, no. Would you like to wrap it instead? We know that's more your job. Uh, no, I was just going to say he could be so drunk that our podcast may make sense. That's a, not actually a bold call at all. That's quite quite fair. Um, 
We'll move on from talking about somebody who isn't even on this week's podcast and is celebrating their birthday to Fastest Lap. Um, Timo, anyway, I'm you... going to go to you first, actually, because that is a bold call. Uh, yes. Oof. Jeez, Fernando Alonso. Is that not your bold prediction? Oh, no, it's not. Jesus. They could um, go hand in hand. Spoilers. Yeah. They, could, they could go hand in hand. I think with the high-speed nature of Kota, I think Alpine will do... Well, at this track, this is true. They do have one of the highest top speed speed track runs through the, across the season. Like Monza and uh, Baku, they've set some pretty fast times through there. They're two hundred and something miles an hour. They are quick, which is also why I think George Russell could be the one to get fastest lap because he's a quick boy when he wants to be. Yeah, my I don't need much theory, more logic for this. My theory with Mercedes, which has failed the <laughs> past two times that I've said this. Due to the bumpy nature of the track, it may not favour them because, and it just gets bumpier and bumpier, doesn't it? Because it's built on marshland. Yeah. It's true. It is kind of always moving. Yeah, it's built on like a reclaimed surface. Mm-hmm. But despite all that, I think George will be out in kind of a no man's land because he's been in that position quite a bit this season and just say, sod it, let's stick some soft on towards the end and go for that fastest lap point and maybe it'll be that point that helps them get a Ferrari in the constructors. To be fair, yes, our, theory, our theories may merge because he this may is frightening. Do, <laughs> yes. He may not be doing well in the race, so goes for the fastest pit stop to take a point off of either Sergio Perez or Charles Leclerc, who's got the fastest lap, to take away that point so that either he gets it or no one gets it to try and tighten up second place. I do also love how you gave Mercedes the fastest pit stop as well there. So thank you for that. Fastest lap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jesse. Sergio Perez the Red Bull's quick he's going to be leaving the race there's going to be no one ahead of him no traffic where he goes quick lap bye so job done Megan has gone for Mr. Sir Lewis Hamilton ooh ooh which he does love Cota so again potentially if he's in third place like he is on my podium and he can't quite catch Max or Carlos that extra point and he's got the gap behind him you could see him going for that and just going speed he is yeah. the most successful driver around the Americas. Is it true? Did he win a championship at a Cota? He won two there, I think. Yeah. So he, he does go well here and he's got sort of a big crowd support. Yeah, two here, two in Mexico. So yeah. next two rounds would be interesting to see how he gets on there. Famously, he's also won in Brazil. So I saw a stat. I have and no WWE, idea whether... <laughs> <laughs> I saw a stat. I have no idea if it's true or not. But Lewis, Nico, uh, Lewis Hamilton is closer to Nico Hulkenberg in the championship than he is to Max Verstappen. Nico have Hulkenberg has points. zero points. So, hang on, so does this mean, hang on, I've got the points up somewhere. Here we go. Whilst Jesse researches that, I was looking at Hamilton's stats earlier and I had to double check this a couple of times. Since 2013, Lewis has only had nine retirements. So... Yeah, that's not bad. It's pretty impressive. That's the mind boggles. I mean, it just shows Mercedes reliability, but it was, it was one this year so far, one last year, and then previous to that is when it starts getting either one or two, but never more than two in a season until you go back to his McLaren days. 
which well, I just think is, it's a bit, when you see how many Grand Prix he's taken part in, I think it was something like 23 total in his yeah. entire career. As a percentage so, failure rate, that's pretty pretty good. Hmm. No, Ellie May is correct with her statistic. So Max Verstappen sits on 366 points and bottom of the pecking order, Nico Hülkenberg has zero. Lewis Hamilton has 180 points, which means he's 180 points ahead of Hülkenberg, but 186 shy of Verstappen. So he is closer to the bottom of the pecking order that he is the top. Ooh, that's bad news if you're a Team LH fan, isn't it? Well, isn't it? Bad news for an F1 fan in general, really, <laughs> considering he's not that far down the standings generally anyway. No, that's how many points just separate. What is he, fifth from first? Yeah. You can fit the rest of the pack in behind him. That is, yeah, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? But these Especially new regs are working like... brilliantly, so it's all good. Oh, they're working well, magnificently. It is like the first year in 2014 many, okay in many but we haven't heard the British national anthem yet either oh not yeah because there hasn't been a British team winner America race. would be the place to do that just for old time's sake yeah they love it when the British national anthem is played at their big sporting events that's why they got to be fair they love Lewis so they wouldn't be opposed to that yeah this is true so when was when was the last time would it be in Brazil? So, Saudi last, last year. Saudi or Ka- oh, when Saudi. was Qatar? No, so Saudi was Saudi. the penultimate race. Yeah. Ooh. So that would have been the last time we had God Save the Queen. Yeah. Correct. We because this is pointed out that, that because in Extreme E, X44 won in, I think Argentina? it was Chile. No, actually. Yeah, um, and it was the first time that I think that God Save the King was in motorsport. So, and it's yeah. Lewis Hamilton related, so there we go. But we will go off on more tangents if we're not careful. So, world prediction time. And as I'm talking, I'll start with mine. I'm going to say that this makes sense when I think about it later. If you compare the practice times, Logan Sargent will be quicker than Alex Albon in the practice sessions. Okay. Oh, so sense. Sense. I forgot he was replacing Alex Elbon, so obviously he can't drive quicker than him in FP1. But I think if you compare, he'll be quicker than Albon in at least one one of the practice sessions. Okay, so yeah, Al- Albon will have FP2 and FP3. So we're mm-hmm. looking in at one, one of those, those, he'll be slower than Sergeant. FP2 typically, yes, because he'll. They're usually race prep runs, they're not usually as fast. But FP3 I can, is usually like a run up to quality. So I can see. An FB3 run, Mike, Albon and Sargent will be the place to compare. Yes, but I need one of them to be quicker. So that's where you've had some crummy word predictions lately. So if I, I'm going to get away with this one. Okay, fine. I'm sorry, I'm not even going to fight it. Good man. We should get you ill more often. What is your world prediction? Uh, my world prediction is Joe Top Six. Fair enough. You're a madman. Ellie May? <laughs> I've gone for an Alpine top five. Would that be Fernando Alonso? It can either be Fernando Alonso or Esti Besti. I really don't mind. Who's their reserve driver this year, just to be on the safe side? Oscar Piastri, technically. Oh, shoot. Yeah, of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Oofed. Your memory is short today. (laughs) It's been fried. It's been one of those days at the Classic Car Weekly offices. Megan, meanwhile, has potentially the boldest one, considering lately. Alpha Tauri double points. 
Ooh. That is bold. Yeah, that is bold. Granted, only means they need to be ninth and 10th for that to work, but at the same time, considering what they've been like... I don't know. I don't know if that is her being ill. I want to defend her there on that one, just in case it is too much to ask for. But I admire her ambition, nonetheless. How did they do last time out? It's bold. But... I was expecting that to transition into a bold advert. <laughs> she had such enthusiasm in saying the word. That... It, it's bold, but maybe, maybe possible. I don't know. Definitely, maybe. Well, let's see. Last year, Gasly retired with a suspension failure, but Sonoda did come home ninth. Hmm. So it's it's. But also, do you want to just check how they've done the last two or three Grand Prix of this season? Irrelevant. No, just Jesse shaking his head there for no. those of you who obviously can't see because this is not the only podcast. But it's it's, it's worrying looks on his face, and anyway, literally walked out the room because she didn't want to confront Alpha Tauri and their recent performances. It's just too upsetting for me. It's understandable. They're there. Anyway. On that bombshell, I think that's about as much as we can wrap up for this preview episode, unless either of you two have anything else you want to add ahead of this weekend's Boston Grand Prix. It's not particularly no. F1 related as such, but I really feel... Then we don't care. I'd like to wish my girlfriend a happy birthday because she'll be listening to this possibly before the weekend, but her birthday's on Saturday. And I feel it'd be wrong to wish Jacob a happy birthday and not seize this opportunity to wish Georgia a happy birthday. I feel like it's it's curious if you're not wishing her a happy birthday on the day itself and you're doing it on a podcast nearly a week earlier. But that's just me. Well, I'll be wishing her a happy birthday on the day. I'm heading down to hers and taking her out on a nice little. I was about to say what I was about to do for her birthday there. It's a surprise. She doesn't Please know don't. yet. But... <laughs> I'm really trying to control myself. <laughs> we'll just say happy birthday. We hope you have an amazing day. We've gone off on so many tangents that we will now close the episode. <laughs> if you want a birthday shout out on subsequent episodes of the Undercut Podcast, get in touch with us on social media. We'll happily, we'll, we'll do like a, a cameo. We'll do yeah. a cameo. We'll definitely do it if you subscribe to our Patreon and give us money. <laughs> and maybe I will sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President. She'll even do it in that little white Monroe dress as well. We'll send you the video. <laughs> That's an OnlyFans thing. That's not a cameo thing. Yeah, that's definitely sort of a Patreon sort of thing. You have to be paid and subscribe to some certain websites for that one. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent as we do tend to do. It was always Jesse's fault, so we are done for this episode. It's always my fault. I said, shush. Um, Join us again next week for the American Grand Prix review, where hopefully we will have a guest who isn't ill at the last minute. So fingers crossed, third time lucky on that one. We do have a guest. Yes. I'm hoping they won't Ill. be ill is what I'm saying. It's like you're not even listening to me. Slightly gummed up ears, got unfluid. Well, oh, are you ill? You haven't mentioned. Shut up. Ellie May, where can people find you in the meantime? Uh, they can either find me being a veterinary nurse for my four sick cats, or they can find me being a counsellor for Jesse and Timo's relationship problems. Jesse, where can people find you when you're not being a tiresome little boy? Um, usually you can find me on all the usual social medias, Instagram and Twitter as Jesse on Cars. Uh, we've also got the Undercut podcast over on Twitter where you'll find all of our usual sort of social media ramblings plus my occasional 
belligerent tweetings. Um, and if you like print media, you can support that by buying Classic Car Weekly. We've got a new edition coming out on Wednesday. We're looking ahead to the NEC Classic Motor Show. So lots of goodies and interesting things there. We're also looking back at British motor shows through the years. So there's plenty of pictures of old cars to look at and coo over. Plus we have a crossword as well, which is really worth doing. Well, how could you possibly resist? As for myself, you can find me over on Is It Fast on the Curbs, where I have a couple of interviews out this week with some European Le Mans drivers, the Nigel Rx podcast, Paddock's Rarity, and of course, Instagram, where you can find links to all those other bits and pieces. All the details for all three of us will be in the description below for this episode, so don't worry, you don't have to rewind and listen to us bickering about where you can find each other. And that is about it for this week's episode. So as we said, join us again next week for the American Grand Prix review.